let's descend the podcast into a bit of chaos. More chaos. More chaos. That electric moment when a ball hits the back of the net. Unbelievable game. Two great teams going at it. Compared to the other three beside him, he just looks like the new cafe or something. We are making a documentary about how shit our club is. <laughs> VR is bullshit. Who is the biggest cheater in football tonight? Harry Kane, what a fucking doubt. Good evening. Welcome to the Football Babble. Um, myself, Phil, Brenton and Stephen are on tonight. Uh, Paddy unavailable for selection and Jonathan still uh, without any internet in his brand new house. Conveniently, which means he can't come on to us, live to us and talk to us about Arsenal winning the league. Although he has sent a voice note in, which I'm sure Brenton will plant in the podcast at some point for you all to listen to. Um, yeah, but we'll just plant it in now um, yeah. and give you a natural vibe of how he's feeling. Evening gents, Arsenal Football Club, the kings of London once again, doing things the right way and not being dirty, snide, rotten little bleep bleep bleeps, um, stealing players from under the noses of the clubs that the player wants to go to, but anyway, um, lovely to be back on a podcast, it's been a very long time, you know, the World Cup and all the fact of that, but yeah, just a wee quick, quick note, um, unfortunately I can't make it on to the full pod due to my internet being completely cairned air in my new house. Um, but Arsenal had a stroll in the park yesterday, an absolute stroll in the park. Don't think I have ever watched them play a North London derby where they've been in so much control. Absolutely magnificent. It was pure ecstasy. Like I mean, it felt like I was on the gear. It was beautiful. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it very much. I enjoyed the tears. I enjoyed the fact that Tottenham fans had to jump over the railings to kick our keeper because he winded them up so much. It was beautiful stuff. So Arsenal are eight points clear now at the top of the league. Um, looks like the target for Champions League is on. And uh, Man United now in the title race. Very interesting. Very interesting indeed. Um, I know... Steve's probably rolling his eyes at this right now, but let's just make it clear, Stephen, you are in the title race. It's a massive game again on Sunday, the two informed teams in the league. Um, don't know where that's going to go, um, but I think it's important that Arsenal don't lose the game. Maybe Manchester United are thinking the same, like just go to the Emirates and try and get something there or get a result. You know, that's what they're going to aim for. They're the only team so far this season to beat us, so... They have that, so just going by this Arsenal team this year, you know, the mentality of them will be that they'll want to go out and beat Man United because of the result at Old Trafford um, earlier in the season, so that'll be really, really important for them. But we'll see what happens. Hopefully I can get back on a proper podcast very soon. Um, I just want to say a big special thanks to BT for being absolutely useless and not having me set up with proper internet for over a month now. So thumbs up to them. Um and yeah. Fuck Chelsea Blood. Good luck. Um so that was Johnny's voice note. Uh, and an hour of 
caution still uh, with Arsenal, Jonathan and the Arsenal fan base. It's just time to admit it, lads. Just win the league. Just embrace it. Enjoy the running. Just canter to the league title that you've won and you deserved. Um, well done. Won it on 16th of January as well. Absolutely no chance you don't win it in my eyes. Uh, what do you think, Stephen and Brenton? Hard to agree. Absolutely. <laughs> <Brenton>. Nailed on. <laughs> Lord. Uh, yeah, so that's it. Arsenal cantering away off of the league. Top four also, I think, was done this weekend. Unfortunately for myself, Patrick and Brenton, um, with big wins for Newcastle. Uh, and was there another? Was there a big win for anyone else? I don't really. Remember. Oh yeah, Bright- Manchester yeah, Brighton, Derby. I think. Yeah, uh, Brighton won big game. Yeah, well, they were playing a shite team. To be fair, I don't really know if that counts. Um, but uh, yes, big win. Chelsea did get a win, even though. You know, the, the talk of Chelsea at the minute is uh, like Todd Bowley playing. I don't know what he's at like. We'll talk about that in a minute, Brandon, get your thoughts on that. But Jesus. Chelsea did get a win and go level with Liverpool 9th and 10th, I think they're in the league. But obviously, another massive result of the weekend was Manchester United coming back from 1-0 down to beat uh, Man City in the Manchester Derby at Old Trafford. I think that's the first time in like, it's not 10 years, but so many years that Man City have... Uh, Led away or something in the Premier League and then been pegged back and lost the game. It's a ridiculous stat, whatever it was, anyway. So, good performance by Manchester United and obviously Marcus Rashford come up with the goods. Um, the United most informed team in the Premier League. Yeah, I would, I would think that like we joke about Arsenal uh, win the league, but United are slap buying the title race. Brendan, would you not agree with that? One hundred percent. They genuinely are the most. Won the last five. Um, yep. Arsenal have uh, have a draw in their last five. So, um, yeah, what? Well, absolutely. Why not? If if they're a point behind um, Man City, and a lot of people still think Man City are are gonna cruise this league. I've heard people saying. Um, Man United just dismantled them. Um, so why not? Absolutely in in the league title. And, and and they play Crystal Palace uh, during the week here. So when that they only go was it like is it six points maybe or f- uh, five points behind whatever it is Arsenal. So six points behind Arsenal. So yes, right by which is pretty impressive, Stephen, for Den Hag's first uh, half a season to be in a title race. Uh, well, no, I think like beating Crystal Palace and that they're probably safe from relegation. So I think that's the first hurdle um, <laughs> to get over. What about um, then when they beat Arsenal? It's getting very far ahead of ourselves, isn't it? Um, <laughs> no, do you know what? Like it, it for it was an interesting it was an interesting game on uh, on Saturday because I thought they played really really well in the first half, and then <laughs> I don't know what happened at halftime, but it it was like they just didn't leave the dressing room at halftime, and City deservedly took a lead, but. I just don't know. There's something the the way they've set up now against Liverpool, Arsenal, and City goes against everything Ten Hag is trying to do, but he's been willing to change it to get the result. And in all three games, he's 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 gotten the results that he wanted, um, which I think is in direct, direct uh, directly opposed to what Conte is doing with Spurs, which is setting them up exactly how he wants. And not changing it, and a little bit like what Pep is doing as well. Actually, it feels like his his reluctance. We've talked about this, I know before, like, but his reluctance to use substitutes, um, 
especially given the talent that he has on on that Manchester City bench, it's just so strange to me. It's just so so strange to me. Um, but I thought I, I I was I was impressed with it. Like I was happy with it. Um, I think they're in some run of form. I think Marcus Rashford is playing as good as any player in the league at the moment. Um, I know they, like the first goal was rather fortunate, but like those are the rules and we've seen, you know, we've seen United had three, we, we might not agree with the rule, but, and likewise, I don't agree with some of the new interpretations of handball and United have had three, what I would consider perfectly good goals ruled out this season for this dodgy offside. So it all balances out, I think over the course of the season. Um, uh, but yeah, I think you have to, have to be happy with, with where it is. I don't think anyone uh, in the United fan base thought that this would be where they were this year. Um, and it's not just that City are playing well below the standards we've expected. Uh, and Liverpool too, I think, and Chelsea and Spurs. I think there is a decent spine to this United team now. <laughs> My only concern is that like David De Gea, who has been really, really good for for well over a decade, um, seems to be playing the worst football of his career and coming to the end of his career at a time when the team in general is getting younger. So it'll be very interesting to see what they do there for, for next season and beyond. Because I don't think De Gea is... I don't think he can play the type of, of goalkeeping role that Ten Hag seems to want um from his goalkeepers. Um so that'll be one to watch, I think, over over the summer, what direction they go there. But yeah, overall I think Champions League football beat Crystal Palace on Wednesday night. Um and I think it's I think yeah, I think it's going to be Champions League football for United at that stage. They're not in the title race. I think if the, if and when they beat Arsenal next weekend, sorry JD, um, I think that's it. Then then it's a very different conversation. Uh, but f- as of as of right now, I think they're they're only beating what's in front of them, but they're beating them comfortably. Um, and they're they've they've got three decent scalps under their their belt already this season. And I don't see why it can't be a fourth by the time they they play Arsenal next Sunday. You know, you 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 just said this on recording. Like we, yeah, it's fine. Say off air, Steve. Yeah, it's fine. It's fine. Okay. Um, but sure, the Johnny well, says I, that Arsenal are shite and they're not going to win the league. So, like, I mean, I might, I can't, if I can't be confident about beating Arsenal, like, you know. Can I? Can I let you in on a secret? Go on. It affects you, but it's it comes from love. <laughs> <clears throat> I like. I am obviously. I'm a superstitious idiot. Like so. I was trying to set up a new password for work, uh, on my work. I'll not tell you what it is, but uh, for my work pa- uh, computer ages ago, and I used uh, an NFL team, per se, or a phrase, and I was located with an NFL team that Stephen would follow. This is at the start of the NFL season. It just coincided with, I think it was second or third weekend. Said NFL team then fell off a cliff, um, and obviously things have gone very badly wrong with that team but that'll get fixed whatever so i decided today to change it to something relating to your football team <laughs> to see if that works and so i'll report back on monday night if I, really, I, I, I really appreciate that 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 shows like look 
that comes from a place of love. None it of does, hate. Yeah. <laughs> it comes from a place of love. So um, I obviously will not say what my password is, but it relates to a football team of Steve's choice. Um, <laughs> there was going to be a basketball team used. In fact, last night I wore a Bulls top just to wind Steve up because they're playing the Warriors and the Bulls won. So um, I'll do, I'm doing everything I can for you, Jonathan, to make sure United don't continue this title challenge. Um, I, I like, as it pains me to say this, I was really, really impressed tonight at the minute. I think Brandon made a point there. Five wins in the bounce. I know we jest and we try and, and joke whatever, but they definitely are the form team at the minute. Um, as good as Arsenal have been, been the last five games, United have been excellent. And it has obviously coincided with, um, well, two things. Uh, Rashford's form and the fact that a certain Portuguese um, egotistical maniac is now playing football in Saudi Arabia. And it just seems to be the shock. And also, like as much as I genuinely hate him when he plays against us, because he's just he's so good and he's just hateful. But I, I love Bruno Fernandez' constant digs at Ronaldo. Like they're wild, like constantly sly digs, um, coming out and even like quoting Messi and things and different and sure and th- like you're just like this man is just at it. Like and I quite enjoy this. So his forms improved. But I mentioned before, and Stephen Casemiro. How much of a difference has he made so far this season to that squad? It it it's just incredible. Like there hasn't been a player this influential in the United midfield since Keane. And that's a damning indictment of a club of Manchester United size that it's that long since there's been a player who's had this much influence over a game. Um but it's uh, it's I there's so much he does, and look, he gets away with he gets away with an awful lot, and he has that kind of habit of being able to have one or two more fouls that he gets away with before he gets yellow carded than 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 some other players. I think I said it the last time. Scott McTominay just has to look at someone and he gets yellow card. Casemiro could commit GBH, and he seems to get a warning the first time or whatever. I um, hate people like that. Do you? Uh, what? <laughs> Like what? Obviously, like it's great when they play for your club, but yeah, that's it. Is that about some players? Like what? Yeah, like Fabinho, I think is the same. Fernandinho definitely was one of those players, and um, Busquets as well is another one springs to mind. What what is that about those players? I I genuinely don't know. Um, It's almost like the referees decide that okay, this is a guy who puts himself about, so I can't book him for his first couple of fouls, otherwise. You know, it'll change the game dramatically. And that's wrong. Like, don't get me, like, it is absolutely yeah. wrong. But there are definitely, there's definitely players around the world of football who do get away with it more. Um, and it's a weird one because you shouldn't referee everyone exactly the same. But they clearly don't. They clearly referee Casemiro differently than they do with their players. And it's fascinating to watch. Um, and I, look, and again, he's that type of player who... If he was playing for Liverpool or Chelsea, I'd absolutely hate him. Um, yeah, but now that he's at my team, it's okay. <laughs> yeah, that's that's yeah, absolutely like, understandable. I would be the exact same, and I do. I was trying him. to think of the other ones, like uh, Busquets gets away with it. Obviously, for Barcelona a lot. He's he's not as clever as Casemiro. Um, at it like Busquets sort of gets caught a wee bit, but yeah, the fine arts is what Casemiro is unreal at. Um, I, I do think though, like I think he's as brilliant as he has been. There are elements where he is a little bit clumsy sometimes, Casemiro, but because the referee, he has every detail of every referee's life 
on a USB somewhere. <laughs> Do you know, like there was one, and like uh, I think it was um, Mares had skipped past him, and he just clumsily bundles over into the back of him and bundles him over, and should have been a free kick on the edge of the box. It was the end of the first half, and then our free waves play on, and that wasn't cute or clever play. That was just Casemiro. Some, yeah. Sometimes he is clumsy at that, um, but then there's other times where he's very, very cute. Uh, so he's just been the perfect. I think like you talked before, I think it was like two or three seasons ago, about how Bruno's influence. But you could argue that Casemiro's has just eclipsed that because even yeah, like, like he has he no, for sure he has. And I think the yeah. Bruno thing is interesting because uh, you know we we've spoken loads about like Ronaldo's influence over Bruno and how it affected his play. And I think there was definitely times and before the World Cup where Fernandez was almost playing himself out with a team he was playing so badly. But you can't argue with how well he's played since. And again, he also has that. He's, again, another one of those players that I'm so glad he plays for the team I support rather than, you know, against them. Because I can see why a lot of opposition fans hate him uh, a lot. But I don't think he has as much influence over the entire game as, as Casemiro does. I think what Casemiro does is give the defence that little bit of a safety net that you will have him back covering at centre half or whatever if you need him. We've seen like Jesus he's been back covering both full back positions at times as well this season. Um but he also offers a trek going forward and I think that's what makes him unique is that he is that, you know, your dream box to box midfielder. Um and he's a, he like the thing is it's not like it's just all you know, aggression and, and he has a pass on him. Like he, he has a phenomenal eye sometimes. Now there are times when he absolutely picks the, the wrong, wrong option, but I assume that's the Brazilian in him as well, you know, um, which, which kind of, he, he, he doesn't necessarily always pick the, the easiest pass. He tends to take showboat a little bit, but that's okay. I'll take it. Like he's not, he's not Anthony level of showboating, uh, but he's, he's, he has it in him at times as well. And yeah, I and think a few it's important, um, important goals, Dave, as well, you know, so far this season. Yeah. And that's what you need though, from your midfield. Like you can't, like, especially when the, with the system United are playing as well, where they're, they're kind of focusing a lot of their forward players out wide. You need to have that it as well. So look, it's, this is as as excited and as bought into a Manchester United setup as I have been in a decade, and I realise it could still all come crashing down. Um, Phil very helpfully reminded me last night because I had wiped it from my brain that there's still Barcelona to come, um, uh, <laughs> and uh, like you will look at some of the teams they've played, and it's Wolves and it's Forest and 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 it's. You know, it's City who are playing shite at the moment, um, and then not. Do you know what? Not enough is being made about how poorly City are playing, considering mm-hmm. a the depth of that squad. Um, and there's a there's a legitimate conversation to be had about whether they're any better with Haaland in that team and without, or worse, or worse. Because if you if you were playing with a team where one of the players is touching the ball four times and a half, you're playing with ten men. Like, unless that's your goalkeeper, the, every outfield player should be touching the ball a lot more than four times and a half. And I do think there's a... I'm not saying Premier League defences have figured them out, but it, I think there's been a noticeable shift since 
maybe mid to late September of how teams are approaching them and they're marking them a lot tighter uh, and they're realizing that, well, you can let them wander out into like, you know, 20, 30 yards deep because they're not going to, they're not going to give him the ball there. They're constantly waiting for his run into the box. And I think once teams have adapted to that, his prowess and his threat in front of goal. Now he could completely prove me wrong and go and score a hat-trick next time out or whatever, but it feels like everyone has now started to work out what it was that made him the striker he was. Don't get me wrong, he's still a phenomenal striker. Mm-hmm. But as a footballer, as I, I don't know. Like, I don't know. I really don't. I'm not sure. And City certainly aren't getting the most out of him. Um, not the way Dortmund did, anyway, to, to the extent that Dortmund did. Like, when you consider the pace he was on at the start of the season compared to where he is now... Um, and I thought De Bruyne was quiet enough at the weekend as well. Like all just very flat at sea. Um, if you look at it, City have gone to their two, say the two biggest rivals anyway. Certainly, obviously it's Manchester Derby and then it's Liverpool over the last five, six, seven years this season. And Haaland hasn't had a sniff. Yeah. And De Bruyne has been poor. And and I can only like I paid more obviously more attention to Liverpool. I only seen the last. 60 minutes I think of the match on Saturday but obviously the Liverpool game Liverpool very clearly decided that Haaland wasn't the one they were worrying about it was going to be De Bruyne and the midfield Silva and Foden <clears throat> and Gundogan like Gundogan I, I don't understand why Gundogan doesn't start every week because I think he's, he's such a pivotal player for Man City but uh, perhaps one more than me so whatever um, but Liverpool decided that's where they were going to make their battle and not that they didn't Mark or or double team or whatever or keep an eye on Haaland they did but it it wasn't the focus the focus was on that midfield and on stopping the Bruyne getting so now there was times when the Bruyne had played a wee bit better at Anfield but certainly on um he gets the assist uh but the only time he could pass Casemiro on uh on on Saturday but f- apart from that fifteen minute spell where they really had United under the cosh um. United were comfy, and it was the same thing again. They were like keeping them at arm's length, and and they really did not seem worried about Haaland. No. because as you said, like, and the fact that at times he was dropping so deep, um, just baffles me. Like, for him, you'd want him just right at the the front of your strike force, being everything. But um, yeah, you it's, can only it's, assume it's, like they're dropping him deep, or he's dropping deep because he's thinking, okay, if I can drag the defender out, I can run on him, and I will be faster than him and stronger than him. But it's not working. So you have to change it. You can't just keep doing it when it's not working, you know. Yeah. Um. But look, uh, when Man City get beat, like even if it is by Manchester United, it's it's always a nice day. Uh, to be honest, I, I, the first goal for Manchester United obviously caused a bit of controversy. Uh, uh, on Twitter, I think genuinely the last week or so, offside goals, um, have been all over the place. Like the Wolves should be in the third round or the fourth round of the FA Cup. But they're not because Mateus Nunes was given offside at Anfield when he when he wasn't. <laughs> he was <laughs> onside and he was given offside. And now the FA have blamed ITV for the positioning of their camera, um, which that was daft. Mm-hmm. And I know Sonny Aluku and um, Mark Pugach and Emil Heskey were complaining because Anfield doesn't have a big screen, which is fair enough. But that wasn't not going to make a difference. It was obviously to do with the camera angles, which is just stupid. Like, um, yeah. For a start, then Wolves as well were called for offside on a goal for a goal on Saturday against West Ham when the defender actually heads the ball. Then in the Liverpool Brighton game, 
Trent Alexander-Arnold's called offside, but he's not going anywhere near the ball. And then for the United game, <laughs> Rashford is uh, judged to have not been interfering with play, and the goal is given. So, and like all four decisions, you're like, none of these make any sense. Yeah. Um. So like a real weird week for offside goals. Um. That's a goal. Like if it happens against your team, you want to kick the TV in half. But if you score it, that's yeah. your goal of the season. Like you're buzzing. Uh. But yeah, really strange, lads. Hello. We're both going to talk at the same time now, aren't we? I was waiting for Brendan. Yeah. <laughs> Brendan to but look, I yeah, I, look, I've 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 been on record for a long time to say let's scrap offside altogether and 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 see what happens. <laughs> uh, a friend of mine, no, a friend of mine actually took part in a in a no offside eleven aside league, and he said for the most part people aren't goal hanging, goal hatching. The only time you really feel it is on free kicks because literally you just crowd the goalkeeper and crowd the line. Mm. And you pump the ball in, um. But this interpretation of the offside rule is just so broken. To me, they've they've just overcomplicated it so much, and it it really should just be a case of, you know, this mark measuring like, oh, is that person's elbow playing him on side and stuff like that? Well, you can't play the ball with your elbow, so it shouldn't count as a you know as something. You know things like that, and I I would just love to see it going back to if there is daylight between the attacker and the defender, then you're offside, and just keep it at that. Like the game was never meant to be processed the way it's being processed, and the interfering with play thing is I think it's relatively simple. It's very clear that Rashford being where he was affected the goalkeeper. I don't like you saw that still going around Twitter today, like where it, it looks way worse than it actually was like the defender was not catching up with that ball but this still makes it look like the defender could just take two steps and clear it but it absolutely affected the goalkeeper like without a doubt um there would have been a different reaction by the entire defense as well um if Rashford hadn't been there to, to Fernandez so I think um I think that's where you kind of have to apply common sense but they've just they're trying to put law upon law upon law to try and make sure there's no mistakes. That the law of unintended consequences means you'll always add to the, the mistakes. And it, it it's a hard watch. It's great when it goes for you. But I can absolutely see why the Manchester City players and, and, and manager was annoyed. But that's also like, does anyone outside of Manchester City care about Pep being annoyed? I don't think so. Nope. No, but you're right in what you say about the, like, you, you're trying to fix little mistakes with the rule as it is and just creating another one by doing that so you you know it's like trying to piece like a bit of pottery back together that's been shattered into a million pieces like it's it's never going to be perfect um they're over complicating is the right word for it um and the the it's worse now than you know when it was before var and yeah. the the thing about it is is what I think players and managers get so frustrated about it is is that you can be involved in a game with a set of officials and, and a VAR official and get a decision or have a decision given against you and then be involved in another game and, and you know, basically the exact same thing happens and um a different decision is given and and that you know 
these new rules and new interpretations and stuff were were sold to us as stopping inconsistencies but you know they're just creating different inconsistencies i think <laughs> you know just because you've added technology in and you've added a um you know a proper var official it just means that now they're inconsistent and even the technology's being inconsistent as well if you're looking at the weekend there so um and and that whole thing about blaming ITV's cameras that is not their responsibility to um to set their camera up for VAR uh, you know it's not the broadcaster's um responsibility to set up the angles like that is the the FA and the governing body and whoever is you know running the game so that that's a, a ridiculous um defense to to try and come out with but um yeah uh, I, I mean i think that the one the weekend the, the united one is is so obvious um the, that rashford is interfering with play yeah um and uh, you know broad strokes if I, th- I think interfering with play is is a good way to put it i think that to me seems like it's pretty and you mentioned it steve common sense that's um, it yeah. th- there's you you just want the referees and the officials to have common sense around it and i for one and i think a lot of people would accept if they get the odd one wrong the odd mistake like you know five years ago i just remember some go for you some don't and you know what comes around goes around usually and um, you have to be very unlucky to um throughout <clears throat> a whole Premier league season get you know the imbalance um of decisions so um like what was wrong with that do you know what i mean um i just think it's uh yeah it's got beyond and they're over analyzing and um it's never going to be perfect so so why do they keep trying i think i think that is i think in this instance like that expression perfect is the enemy of of good uh because that's you're right. They're striving for perfection. They're striving for a system where no mistakes can be made. And it, we've 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 seen that it even with the best technology in the world, it can still have mistakes. So why not just go back to okay? As I said, kind of line of sight and common sense. Um, just feels like such an obvious solution because I you know we're still talking about bad decisions despite all the technology and all the effort they've put into it so why not go back to something that we all understood which is you know if, if a guy is running across the ball but doesn't touch the ball and it affects what the goalkeeper or one of the defenders is doing then he's offside because he's interfering with play yeah. um it's just to me it, it's those really obvious ones that makes you go yeah that's that's not that's not great like um that's not but again and again i think you're right like i think less so with var these things tend not to balance themselves out because as you said it really depends on who the the video official is and who the match day officials are and things like that whereas actually with the old way of of doing it they kind of would have balanced out a bit more i felt so now there's probably someone going listening to this who's read like a study to show that this is absolute bollocks but that's what it feels like and 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 you know, I think just given 
given every like like some of those things you know where they don't wave offside straight away now because you know they want to see it play out and then they'll go and look at it like yeah. there's some really obvious ones and you're saying well that's just wasting time and they're at the end at the end of a match those 10 15 seconds might be really really important so again it's that thing of those knock-on consequences that you're not initially thinking of when you're trying to fix this 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 little thing that can't be fixed and it's it's frustrating to watch like and you know again i still heartily enjoyed the goal at the weekend but i understood why like imagine a team got relegated on a goal like that you know <laughs> then it's a very very different story you know hopefully yeah. everton do well hopefully yeah sorry kieran um <clears throat> yeah it's it's ugh. It's we had to bring it up and talk about it cause it's such a talking point in that game. But like, we're, you even sound yourself. We're all bored of talking about stupid decisions. And this, like as you said, they just keep trying to complicate things. Just bring it back to making it simple, so we can all enjoy the odd time a referee makes a mistake, and we can shout at the referees. All right, just leave it at that there, so we can roar and shout at referees. That's what they're there for. That's their only purpose. Leave it. Um. To move away I'm sorry, can I, just, can I just sorry. add one slight thing as well? I've heard people and, and seen a lot of people on Twitter saying, oh, why can they not just um, do it like they do, go line technology? Because it's it's not the same. Yeah. It's, it, it's, it's a player's like It's <laughs> a human being drawing a line yeah. uh, compared to a line that is literally, you know, drawn straight <laughs> and doesn't move um instead of some glipe draw on a line on a screen um just wherever he chooses like it's just not yeah. the same thing so yeah. um go technology yes big plus thumbs up it's worked perfectly um but you know offside for var it's never going to be perfect because there's humans doing it and that's just the yeah. way it is um, to move on, Johnny's had his little say um, about Arsenal. We're not going to focus too much on North London Derby tonight because obviously none of our teams are playing in it. So we'll focus a little bit on um, on Chelsea, Brenton. Not so much. I know he's got the win uh, at the weekend, but what the fuck are you at in the transfer window? What like <laughs> what is going on? <laughs> um, I, I want to go back to Arsenal because I just want to talk about Odegaard for at least five minutes. Um, but okay, that's fair enough. I, I, I'll, I'll mention, um, I'll, I'll run through the Chelsea stuff. Yeah. Um, uh, I don't know. Like, uh, I, I, I logged on Twitter last night and Todd Bowley was in a Twitter space with like some random <laughs> Chelsea fan pages. And I just was like, what What are we doing here? Like, what's going on? Um, Did you log into it? But, no, I didn't. Um, I actually think he was... I saw people talking about it, but I think he was gone by the time I saw which which space it was. So, um, God knows what he was saying. I, I don't know. It's it's really um, it's nuts. Like uh, the yeah, they just seem like they're um, like tuning into what everyone else is doing and kind of signing everyone they possibly can. Um, I, I see they're in the market for Caicedo today. I don't know if you've seen that, Phil. Um, but uh, the, it seemed like they tried to hijack the Enzo Fernandez bid as well and just decided, nah, I'd rather not. Um, after like really pissing off Benfica, um, which 
they seem to be going about it the wrong way in terms of club relations throughout Europe. Um, but I mean, I, I think I would enjoy it if it wasn't for the on the pitch form. And I think they're, I hope they're two separate things. I think, um, there's a bit of a, obviously a new manager getting to know the new, new squad. Um, there's a lot of change um, within the coaching staff and medical and, you know, we're seeing injuries and there's there's an inquiry going on. Chelsea have, I think, 12 or 13 first-team players injured, which is unbelievably unlucky, I think. Um, but the, um, the off-the-pitch stuff is is just so different to, to kind of what we've been used to under Abramovich's uh, stewardship and um, Marina Granovskaya and how sort of smooth and cold that operation was and um, just very clean cut. Um, Chelsea uh, at the weekend had just randomly Mudrick's um, Instagram handle in their in their bio for some bizarre reason um, and tweeted out a statement um saying that they were, you know, close to agreeing uh, personal terms, which would never have happened before, before they, um, before they even confirmed the signing. Now they must have been pretty confident because then they even, you know, confirming the signing during a Premier League game never happened before. Um, it's just different. It's just you know, um, something I suppose we're gonna have to get used to, um. Do I think he's a good signing? Yeah, I mean, he looks exciting. Um, they've paid a lot of money for him. Um, I think it's a lot of money for, you know, somebody with with very good potential, yes. Eight and a half year contract is wild, absolutely wild. Uh, <laughs> I don't know what the thinking behind that is. You know, I don't know if there's... Obviously, the up, upside is if he absolutely balls out, um, they have him tied down. Um, but, you know, there's a good chance that... Not a good chance, but there's a chance that, he, you know, he completely... Um, which which has happened to Chelsea, you know, a lot recently, um, that he doesn't quite work out. Then you have somebody on those wages for eight and a half years. Uh, not ideal in terms of... A, business standpoint for a club and you know I've done the same with quite a few new signings there um but positive I suppose for Graham Potter is I think it's it's a player he really wanted um somebody he he's admired for a while as far as I I can determine um so he's being backed I think they are giving him time which is what I want certainly um which is you know breaks a wee bit from tradition at Chelsea um to hopefully you know build something that's that's what's happening I think we're in the chaos stage at the minute but um I think all clubs going through that um sort of rebuild in inverted commas um do go through like just look at Arsenal just look at United um you know look at where they were a couple of years ago um and where they are now so 
fingers crossed um this does work out i think the um when some of the, of the injured players start coming back um i think that chelsea will have to sort out um squad numbers they'll have to get rid of a few um i think they have some stupid like 32 or 33 senior players at the minute um so it's just gonna take a while um maybe they'll they'll get a bit of a run in the champions league they'll um regroup over the summer and, and go again next year but i mean this this season i wasn't expecting a huge amount from it it's it's a bit of a it's a bit of a write-off i think i said that last week on the pod um but if they can kind of struggle through this season and um push um this project um hopefully we see the benefits of it in the long term uh but I really hope that um, Steve's um, prediction does not come true because then we're just in the absolute abyss again um, without a, a manager and board link. Yeah, 500 million in, in six months is some going. I mean, like you, you can't say they don't care, um, to be fair. I think they're they are trying their best. I think they're kind of learning on the job. Um, yeah, but the uh, there's a lot of voices. I think, um, and kind of grandpa is just one of them. Um, and I think sort of all those people need to get to know each other's voices and and you know kind of start trying to sing off the same hymn sheet after a while, but. It's um Is there a sporting director in charge now? Not yet. There's there's um there's kind of a a collective, I think. Um I think they they maybe realise that um I, I mean it's not Todd Bowley, so I think we're we're okay there. He's <laughs> he's just a bit of a um I don't know, he's a bit of a cartoon character. Um, yeah, but um, uh, Bedadek Bali has has I think taken that on more now. Um, I think he was heavily involved in the uh, the Mudrick deal, um, um, and as I said, it's 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 like not down to one person. Um, the I know they were um they're in the middle of, like in the middle of a season it's very hard to do I think but um the guy from um where is it it's one of the Red Bull teams um they have recruited but I don't think he maybe starts until oh, next season the or Salzburg something. guy I think it's the Salzburg yeah. fella um yeah. so it's something like that I think he's like maybe on garden leave or something at the minute um so uh can't quite take up the full role, something like that. Um, so it's it's a bit of a collective at the minute, and kind of sums up everything throughout the club. Um, you know, with that, uh, with that injury uh, medical department inquiry as well. Um, they're obviously, you know, new procedures going on there as well. Um, after 
you know, being under the same operation for so long in like what was it, fourteen, fifteen years, um, I think it was kind of inevitable. But that has happened and results have not been good as well. So it's just it's it feels like it's been multiplied. Um but I'm I'm confident that we will get there. Yeah, well, like I, I said this to you multiple times, Chelsea are probably the only team in well in the top six that they don't really. Like everyone will say they're in turmoil and things are going all over the place, but they seem to just ride it out. And when something like this happens, they'll just scrub a season like this down and go, "All right, well, we'll just go again next year." And, and Bowley is prepared, obviously, and, and and his backers to spend the money. Now you would think maybe this could be them done for a little while. There could be a team base, as you said, that the people need to be probably cut from the squad and then rebalance. And it does seem as well, which I think is good, as you mentioned, that it looks like they're backing Graham Potter because that's starting at that base. That stability is is massive. Um, whether Potter is the right man or not, we'll, we'll, we'll see. Hopefully he is given to the end of the season and we'll definitely know. But um, yeah, it's just mad every time. Like I saw tonight before we come on, Arsenal have made Declan Rice their number one target now for midfield. So he's obviously going to sign for Chelsea. I mean, they're obviously like, whatever Arsenal offer Chelsea are going to go no, and just offer again <laughs> and just take them. So and and it's been weird as well. I don't know if you've seen this, but there's been quite a, a few different reporters from different publications uh, come out with how quite a few Premier League teams are getting pissed off <laughs> with Chelsea <laughs> and what Chelsea are at. And I mean, if you're a Chelsea fan, like you just think, good, root yourself. But um, just the fact that anytime someone is sniffing around a player or an interested player it's like oh Chelsea bought him and that's just you know it's just gone straight in and also as well like the 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 moment when Mudrik comes out yesterday in a Ukrainian flag is weird yeah. and I don't mean yeah. weird I'm not meaning a bad I don't mean in a bad way like I mean like, he's from Ukraine they're going through hell and he's come out with his flag it's just like we're so so used to obviously Abramovich it felt like a real fuck you to Abramovich too you know, kind Seems of weird very pointed. Way, like, yeah, it really, that's what I was looking pointed. for. Pointed, that, yeah, that he came out. Um, Dario Sarno, or Sarno, there was Sarno's there with him as well. What a player he was. Um, I think he's his agent, and they came out. Um, so yeah, look, when Mudrik gets going, if the talk of Sankunku in the summer comes in, and you've Barry Shilina at the back, and Fafana stays fit, there will look be looking to add someone in midfield. I'd imagine, and it probably is going to be Declan Rice. Um, yeah. Chelsea look like they'd be flying, so really interesting and and mad times at Chelsea. I would still like, like wouldn't be surprised if they get chinned by Dortmund. No, but still be not. like meh, whatever, and just carry on with whatever's happening this season. But um, yeah, it's it's strange and interesting times. They they are very um active, shall we say, in the January transfer window. No one is safe. No, 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 no deal, no deal is safe. I'm sorry, just I was uh, I typed boo into our chat that we have uh, in the place where we're recording this because it does actually feel like Potter might survive the season. So <laughs> my my hot take for the year is done. Sadly, I, think. I am I am actually stunned that a hot take of yours is wrong. I I mean, I, I look my Chelsea ones. Across. I have a hundred percent record with my Chelsea takes. So you know, yeah, true, Pedri. Um, um, Christopher Vivelle, by the way, is the guy's name I was looking yes. for. Um, yes. I don't think he's uh, been involved in... No, uh, no I Maybe in the background, but... Uh, sorry? I don't think he's allowed, officially. Yeah, um, just appointed in December, so um, I think it's 
Todd Bowley and his crew have um, have highlighted all these uh, current signings and uh, targets. But yeah, uh, they they do seem to be just doing everything at once in terms of uh, recruit recruitment uh, for playing staff and managing staff and board staff, and it's just uh, it's just a lot. But um, hopefully, the sooner all that comes together, the better. And and they're just going all at once, and we'll see the benefits of it um, in the long term. You wanted to talk about Odegaard quickly before we wrap this pod up. I do. Um, I, I just think we we had a quick discussion in the group yesterday about um, player of the season so far, and and he's definitely mine. Um, I know Rashford. Certainly, since the World Cup, especially, I think has been um, balling out for United and um, just can't stop scoring. But I think the reason Arsenal are top of the Premier League, a lot of it is to do with Martin Odegaard and um, just his. Uh, we were talking earlier about United and uh, how Casemiro has uh, gave United sort of control back in games and. I think Arsenal's midfield in, in general has been very, very good this season, but I think he's the head of it. And um, he could have had a few yesterday. I think he was, Johnny talks about a stroll in the park, and I think it looked like he was just strolling around, having a, a grand old time. And he, you know, it's supposed to be against their toughest rivals, you know what I mean? And, um, uh, I think he uh, he's at the heart of everything good. He, he um, I I looked at him, and I think I mentioned this before on the pod that um, I looked at him maybe eighteen months, two years ago, and thought he was like good, decent player. I didn't think there was a like a captain in him, um, and. I've been really impressed how he's kind of stepped up to the plate and taken that on and has kind of improved his his play with alongside that and kind of developed the the sort of character side of his game as well as um how influential he is as a player on the pitch. So I just think he's been fantastic. He deserves he deserves a shout out and um, I mean, I don't love it, obviously, because he's an <laughs> Arsenal player, but I respect the hell out of it, and I think he's been unbelievable this season. He's just great to watch. Yeah. Like when he's in full flow, he's just great to watch. Yeah, he's enjoyed but this is the player he was always kind of supposed to be, isn't it? Like, if you go back to 2015, when he signs with Madrid... We're t- yeah. we're we're all thinking this is the next like wonderkind um from from Scandinavia and it just never really happened for him, um, kind of the the one glimpse of anything like he's he's played for Arsenal was when he was on that loan with uh, Vitesse, um and and that was kind of it everything else like I think he was he was okay when he was out loan at Chelsea and he got like a full season obviously there which which helped uh, and then. Arsenal obviously came in for a loan the the following season and I think I don't think Arsenal fans were and maybe I'm misremembering this but like I think 
they were happy enough with how he was playing, but we 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 haven't seen anything like what we've seen in the last two years from you know. Um, I really like him. I do think it's, I think it's touch and go between him and Rashford. Um, in terms of player of the season, I think over the whole season, you're right. It probably is Odegaard. Um, but my argument was just that there's no more form player in world football at the moment than than Rashford. He looks like he's going to score every single time he. He plays, um, and I know Odegaard is is asked to play a different role with Arsenal and things like that. But when you consider where the conversation around Rashford was, like even in our group, you know, Johnny expressed surprise that Rashford had been picked for the England squad for the World Cup. When there was glimpse, no, but there, like he he did to be fair, like and but there was glimpses. I think you'd have to be watching United week in week out to realize how well he was actually playing at the time without getting the goals. And it's only now he's getting the goals. Whereas I think Odegaard, I think he has maybe five assists this season on top of the goals as well. But it's the performance as well. Like, and I think that's what makes it such a such a close conversation for me because both Rashford and Odegaard were pivotal, pivotal, pivotal. Jeez, I can't speak. Pivotal in games that should be difficult. That should be maybe too much for either of them. And yet they both looked completely at home, one in the Manchester Derby and one in the North London Derby. So I think it's, to me, it's a sheet of paper between the two of them. Um, I think if I you take my Man United fandom out of it, I'd probably go Odegaard as well. But like, is he feeding poor kids? I don't think so. So um, <laughs> I'm going to give it, I'm going to give it to, to Rashford. He's, I, I, he's I wish feeding... no one was having to feed poor kids. But, uh, but... He's feeding... Gabriel Martinelli, Adrian Kelly, <laughs> Osaka. Yeah. Um, <laughs> no, but um, no, I think you're right. Like, uh, and um, yeah, <laughs> um, Odegaard as well. Like that point you made about the player he was always expected to be. I think that makes it even more impressive because of the you know the kind of pressure and expectation that was on him, and he's now fulfilling that as well, which um, I think is you know, maybe makes that even harder to do. And probably Rashford to a certain extent as well, being English, being so young and, and breakthrough at United. So um fair play to both of them and, you know, both in very good form at the minute. It means, you know, what a prospect we have um on Sunday with the with the two going up against each other. Mm. Mouth watering. Um if you actually went off Premier League for if you used fantasy football as a form guide, I was trying to look at one there to see one, it actually has Haaland. Uh, this is me criticizing. I, I don't agree with this one. It is Haaland uh, in form. Trippier, second. And then this one is going to go down like a fucking poo-poo sandwich. Harry Kane, third, ahead of Martin Odegaard. Um, <laughs> wow. I can already hear Jonathan scream at the phone, me saying that. Um, I don't. Is that on like match, average match rating or something? Or I don't know. I don't know what it is. I don't know what okay. it is. Um, but that's the only one I could find that was close. I think in, in Europe, the, the in-form players, Lewandowski, Maybe, um, but yeah, I would at the minute to watch uh, Rashford, Odegaard. They're both flying, um, both great to watch. Thankfully, I don't think we have to play either for a couple of weeks, uh, which would be nice to play. Also, yeah, but that's like, I mean, <laughs> I, I need to be PC here, but you know, you know what that is. Yeah, Battle you, of you the know what that is. Absolute. Yeah, on Saturday. That's yeah. That's you know. 
you know what it is. I don't need to, if I say it, we'll get in trouble, so I'm not gonna say it. But that's what that is on Saturday. Um, but before that, I suppose I have to mention before that, that they're gonna get beat by Wolves tomorrow night. If I I told everyone that would listen to put the put the house on Brighton, I actually said Brighton sectional, so I was wrong by three. Yeah, you were wrong um, by three, guys. <laughs> on Saturday, um, I mean it wasn't far off it. Um, and obviously Brighton chin Liverpool. I would put a lot of money if I had it on Wolves dumping Liverpool out of the FA Cup tomorrow night and most, Ruben Neves who really Liverpool should look at signing um, having another unbelievable game he was class at Anfield last time and I don't really see Liverpool to midfield getting anywhere close to him tomorrow night so that's the way that's going the the actual off-field nonsense um, and the Liverpool Twitter sphere is like it's completely eating itself out um, which is some bones taking what taking what seven months for this all to unravel and happen within the Liverpool fan base, which is lovely. We're at the stage now, in case anyone's wondering, where um, some local fans are calling out non-local fans now about their fandom. So that's the stage we're at. Um, and obviously, last night then there was the vicious rumours going around that um, Qatar potentially are a fund in Qatar looking to buy Liverpool and um, a certain people come out today and say that squashed or it hasn't happened yet or different things there's been all sorts going on so it's all over the place um, wait and see what happens uh, with that I do think Liverpool are going to get sold me and Steve talked about this last night I think Manchester United are also going to get sold uh, not that I know anything but just you can sort of read between the lines this season which will be interesting where both end up Um but, I said, yeah, the yeah. reason we had that conversation was because uh, Jeff Bezos was revealed not to have bid for the Washington Commanders NFL team, um, which, which everyone... would leave the door open for FSG to potentially own yeah. an NFL franchise. And but a, and and then on the other thing, now that he has doesn't have six point three billion to spend on on the Washington football team, he might have that to spend on a Premier League team. Where he could name the stadium after one of his products and put his his brand on their jersey and do all sorts of things. So, um, it is an interesting one. I, I, I like. I think the 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 most stunning thing to me uh, about this Liverpool thing, as funny as it has been, and please trust me, it has been hilarious. Um, has been the reaction of Liverpool fans, like the the how quick and I I feel like this is in every fan base, but I feel like it's worse in Liverpool. That the, when things get slightly bad, the rush to just eat each other <laughs> is I've never seen it's a club. Tactic. It's weird. It's so weird. It's it's yeah. and like I hate the fan base. Some I, of the I crazy... fight all of them. <laughs> um. There are sound Liverpool fans. My parents are sound Liverpool fans. Uh, no, they're getting fought too. <laughs> but like, it's it's one of those. It's 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 one of those. I, and I've seen I've seen this happen, and we've spoken about this loads, like in the WhatsApp and and in real life and all that. Like, I feel like when you mentioned there with Chelsea, Chelsea have these down seasons and they bounce back. We've kind of come to experience from our fandom of both Liverpool and Manchester United, that when there's a down season, it's not just one. There's a it rolls into each other. Whereas Chelsea have that that pivot where they come back really, really quickly and they've they have the experience of that. And I think that's the worry with Liverpool fans at the moment is that there's signs of a deeper kind of well, how long is this going to last and how bad is it going to get? And I'm actually I'm fucking kind of raging a little bit because 
throughout my entire life, either Liverpool or Manchester United have been good. There has never been a period where they have both been good. And I would love to see an actual title race or an actual um, competitive season where the two of them are playing really, really good football. Um, and that kind of, this is, and you shouldn't live in another fan, another team's fandom, but it kind of takes away a little bit from United you know, being good this season that Liverpool aren't. Um, I I think I'd much rather if things were closer between the two teams, um, which is a weird statement, but you know what I mean. Like a rivalry needs both teams to be either bad or both teams to be good. It doesn't work when one is shit. You like look how easily Liverpool dispatched the Man United in recent years and stuff. Um, what you don't want is a is a rivalry game to feel like an a cup final where one team is is is, is this is all they have to play for in a year. Um, and that's what I think think was most noticeable. I maybe I'm I've just curated my timeline to avoid a lot of the doses of United <laughs> fans, um. But it didn't feel like beating City was any different than than beating Arsenal or uh, beating Chelsea would be. It felt like yeah, that was a good performance, and they got a really good win. That's important in the race for the top four. Whereas in previous, like if that had have happened last year, even. I think the reaction would have been much more. And I know I came on the start of this podcast and talking about Manchester United being in the title race, but I think the reaction would be even worse <laughs> in previous in previous years had had they beaten City or whatever. So, yeah, I I hope Liverpool get it sorted. I mostly just to shut up the stupidest people I've ever met on Twitter. Um, but that that's that that is that is the main reason. Yeah, I'm. I'm still would fight every single one of them, and and it's hard being a Liverpool fan when you want to just f- go downfield and call out fifty four thousand other people. That's not really a good plan either. Um, that won't end well for me. No one went for you. No, <laughs> you might lose that. Yeah, place. like, yeah, it's it's and it's it's you know what second? It's the thirst um for a sport washing project, uh, and look, if if that's what you want, then that's fair. Do I can't tell you what they want, whatever go forward it wouldn't be for me and i can have my reasons too but the absolute thirst for it and the turning on certain players and how negative some of it can be now there's a lot of it isn't like and if you if you do as you do and you weed through it and you manage to block it off you don't come across some of the doses but just like yeah this nonsense and 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 the january transfer window is good and sometimes because what a bit of crack but it's also hateful because it just stokes stuff up and it seems to be everyone's reaction is to if you're not playing well like you have to go and spend big in January and I said this beforehand like I I think I said this in last week's podcast I don't want Liverpool to go out and spend hundreds 150 200 whatever it is on a you know for a single player I mean um all the time I loved what they used to do under Michael Edwards Klopp and 80 80 Ward was part of the team as well where they were cute and they were clever like Robertson Gina Wijnaldum yeah, uh, Salah was thirty four million. Mane was thirty to forty million, I think, as well. You know, these type Jada as well. I know he's injured, but um, how to keep those type of deals coming out of nowhere? Um, Joel Matip free transfer, different things like that, where it was just really cleverly done, and they built a side from it. You have to add in obviously Allison and Van Dijk too. Don't get me wrong, but and there are figures, but you, they built a side. I would rather that rather than squirt and spurt all this money. But it seems to be that nowadays it has to be the case and doesn't help that they're playing absolutely dog shit. I reckon me, Finn, and Spud, Johnny's dog, 
He's a bit of a dose of dung. No offense, Johnny. Um, we could. He's a lovely dog. I love him the best, but he's also a dose. We could run through Liverpool's midfield at the minute. Do you know what I mean? And it's just uh, it's causing all sorts. But um, yeah, I, 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 I what I, I genuinely saw Andrew Beasley, really good Liverpool statistical writer. Uh, put the other day what Liverpool should do and he used the phrase that Steve would always use and we would Steve would use when we're talking about American sports is they should tank now don't tank in the 18th 19th or 20th position because oh, no. be <laughs> <laughs> tank to say 10th and 11th avoid the Europa Conference and Europa League and take a year where you're not in Europe and you can focus on next season and what goes from there and I, and I do genuinely think Liverpool should do that now Um it's easy to say that when you're not playing well, but I do think that's what they should do. Try and win games, obviously. I don't I don't really enjoy you losing every single game. It's not great. Um, but yeah, that's what I think Liverpool should be focusing on. And it seems to be that there is something going on in the background, but there are also stuff's coming out now that never came out before. There's a leaky ship. Mm. One thing I haven't even mentioned yet is, and I saw a journalist write about tonight, but all the Liverpool fans I talked about this, Pep Linder's doing that intensity book. was one of the stupidest things I've ever seen. You're not finished your career yet. You don't need to be releasing that. And as soon as that was released, and this, it'll have no effect. And now I'm being silly, but as soon as that released, you just knew that was going to come back and kick, bite him in the bollocks when that came out. And what do they lack this year? Intensity. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it's just things like this. They're just all sort of falling apart. So, I think Liverpool is, I think they need this. And Marath was slapping the face. They need the, the squad needs rejuvenated. Maybe some of the bigger players need to move, move, move on and be sold and come through again. But, like the thing I don't uh, kills me. Yeah, I don't want to. I don't want to. Yeah, I don't want to like labor the point here. But like, what I can't understand is, considering the success that he has brought the club, why so many Liverpool fans are reveling in going. Ha! I told you Pep was could be wrong. I told you Pep did, should should have done this. Should have done or not Pep. Jurgen Klopp should have done this. Yeah. Should have done that. Like I don't understand it. Like I don't. I I don't considering every he has transformed that football team he has transformed the way football is played in a lot of cases why are Liverpool fans so happy that Liverpool aren't doing well because it it proves someone on Twitter with 36 followers right like I don't I don't get it it's stupid it's that and like I think as well personally for me what's annoying is like a lot of my Liverpool chat would have been with dad and he would have like as much as neat as he was he was common sense around Liverpool. Do you know what I mean? And it wouldn't he wouldn't he would never have been like, Oh, why are we not doing this? Why are we not saying that? He didn't he didn't give a shit who Liverpool signed. He really didn't. As long as you wore a Liverpool shirt, couldn't care less. He supported you. He, he wouldn't have known who people were when they first arrived, say, because he wouldn't have really given that much of a toss uh years ago and he wouldn't have cared and then they popped up on Liverpool top. Yeah, Lippmann, right? He also knew Yarry Lippmann, but when he signed him he didn't talk much about him and he adored Yarry Lippmann. Adored the man, right? Peter got Mane was his favorite player in the game, but he didn't really know much about Mane at the time happened because he not only really watched Liverpool, really really cared about Liverpool. We watched the other odd game, the bigger teams. We didn't really care about anyone else, and I loved that because it took me away from this absolute cesspit that is Liverpool Twitter. And what doesn't help as well. I was hoping I was getting away from this, and fucking Finn of all people, the trolls troll goes to me yesterday in the large centres. We come out of the swimming pool. I am a Liverpool supporter like you, Daddy, and I was like, "Oh bollocks, he's in this now too. What am I going to do? <laughs> I can't." I was hoping he's saying I'm going to support Chelsea with Brandy and Granda. Nope, he says he's into this, so now I have to stick with it. Um, so I'm hoping he avoids all this nonsense. But yeah, like in my opinion, we had we had a great run with this squad. 
Klopp's made a mistake. He's been too loyal. He's let it go too long. The midfield issues just daft. One midfield full signing in um, in five years in Thiago is just silly. Um, and now he's going to have to rebuild, which is something he hasn't done yet. So it's going to be an interesting project. I hope something that stupid doesn't happen where he does resign or something, because that would be horrendous. But it'll be interesting to see what happens. But I think Liverpool should do this year is just try and enjoy small victories the rest of the season, see what they can do in the Champions League against Real Madrid. They look shy too, which is nice. Um, and then just come back next year and, and see where they go from there. And if they do have new owners, hopefully it isn't one that cuts off people's heads. <laughs> That's not funny, like, but I don't know why I laughed. Um, but yeah, it's... it's All the uh, nervous laugh failure, right? <laughs> well, yeah, I don't want my head cut off. Yeah, um, yeah, exactly. Can so, we just very, very, very briefly, because I know, I know Brendan wanted a short podcast yes, this season, and I'm sorry, sorry Brendan. Brendan. But Evan Ferguson, another assist. Uh, I don't. I see. Think... I haven't seen any of the game. I just heard that. Um, what did I hear? I hear my, my Tomo is good. Danny Welbeck scored a screamer, and Evan Ferguson played well. But I didn't hear he got an assist. Yeah. So yeah, he did an assist for the second goal. Nice. I think well, not nice because Liverpool, but nice for Ireland. Yeah, but like seven games, three goals, three assists. I think it's time to get excited about the new Robbie Keane. That's all I'm going to say. We'll not talk about international football just yet, but my point would be when we'll talk about this, we'll come back to Stephen. Marlon might need a different manager. Oh, yeah. We'll put a pin on that and we'll chat about that. Yeah. But I think it's, back in March. you know what, like 18, like the, the kid was born, like the kid's first World Cup memory is probably 2010. Just, just think Jesus about Christ. that. <laughs> <sighs> Folks, uh, I think that'll do us. Sorry, Brenton wanted us to only be on 45 minutes because the big man has a sore head. I think it's altitude because you're so tall. <laughs> um, so we, 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 that, we that, ran over. All that talk about Liverpool made it even worse, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> you're just raging because Finn refuses to support Chelsea. Um, <laughs> but yes, uh, that'll do us for this week. Hopefully we'll get everyone back on soon um, for a bit of a roundup and hopefully uh, a bit more chaos in football soon in this week I think there's a couple of league games and then it's not going to be too long until European action starts back again which is just daft but um, thanks for listening check us out across all your social media apps the Football Babble uh, get us on Patreon patreon.com forward slash Football Babble something like that anyway I don't know That's go right, on it yeah. and just search your name you'll find it um, and we'll chat you again next week and good luck Potter out <laughs>